Wine you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star, your favorite Disney fan cast. Where every week we don't do it every week. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we feel like it, we watch a Disney movie and we drink a bottle, sometimes two, sometimes three of wine. And then we record ourselves talking about them while drinking a bottle or two. I mean, that would be four total. No, it's usually two total. Like one while we're watching the movie, and then one while we're we are recording. Yes. Ah, this is a weird. Should we week, start that man. again? <laughs> I I don't even know. Everyone's in their houses. No one's allowed out. It's a weird week, man. Yeah, dude. Well, bye. Thanks for joining us. Join us next week when we watch The Rescuers. No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay. Joseph, what did we watch this week? This week, we watched The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh from 1977. I friggin' loved this movie. I did, too. I, I mean, I knew I would love it. I just wasn't exactly sure going into it what this entailed because there is just such a wealth of Winnie the Pooh content out there that I wasn't sure exactly what this was focusing on. But once it started, I was just like, cool, I know that. And as it went from scene to scene, I was like, cool, I've seen this. Cool, I've seen this. And like there were parts of it where it's like really hit me in the nostalgia bones. And I was just like, whoa, I totally remember this tiny detail. So by the end of it, I knew I'd seen the whole thing. Maybe not in order, but that's kind of how it's set up. Yeah, I loved it. My household was obsessed with with Winnie the Pooh growing up, so loved it. Yeah, it was really cute. And not only was it cute, but like it was very self-aware too. Like it wasn't just like, oh, like we're just going to do these things and it's going to be just for kids. It's like there were things for adults too, little nuances where it's just like we're being a little cheeky. What did we drink when we watched this movie? Warriors, come out to play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we drank ourselves some Dark Hundred. Yeah, I looked everywhere for something that was themed to uh, bears or or poo or anything. Oh, you couldn't find poo wine? That's so weird. I know. It's almost like nobody wants to relate their wine to some kind of poo scale. Well, we found this at BevMo. And it happened to be part of the five cent wine sale. So it was what, 25 you said? It was like 25 or 26, but then we got a second bottle for five cents. So this is a red wine blend. It does not specifically say what it is a blend of, but it is from Sonoma County. And I will say this is one tasty bottle of wine. Yeah, it's the label's very dark. It looks very dark because it's called Dark Hundred. But I got it for Hundred Acre Wood, which is where all of this takes place. Um, Very nice bottle of wine. Tasty. Uh, I had literally no complaints. I was very surprised when you poured it and I tasted it. Like, I don't know, the bottle looks like it's going to be a lot cheaper, but it is tasty. Yeah, I don't know what's in it, but it's got a very complex profile. And so it's just like... As you taste it and continue tasting it, it's like it almost like it's almost like it evolves in your mouth. Let's jump right into this movie. What does it start with? Oh man, I wish someone would read me a book while I sit down to watch a movie. Oh my gosh, I'm in luck. It doesn't just start with a book, it starts with a shelf of books. Yeah, a live action shelf of books and toys of all of the main characters. So this narrator comes in and he's like, This could be any boy's room. But it happens to belong to Christopher Robin. And it was only here where I started kind of noticing the details, which, like, I'd seen this before. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the toys. And you see a lot of the characters, the stuffed animals. So you can kind of see how the adventures evolve into his imagination because it's like his playtime. But it was only this time that I realized that you don't know how old Christopher Robin is because he's got a ton of like blocks like look with the letters on them like okay so maybe he's like a very very young child but then he also has boxing gloves and toy soldiers and a gun like a sawn off shotgun sitting in the corner it looks like it belongs to like it's straight from army of darkness and it's just like that's a very realistic looking double barreled shotgun sitting there in the corner okay but then you realize that he's like 4 i guess but then the book opens and 
we go into the story. But well, then Christopher Robin is in the story, the so he's in his movie, own books. The entire movie is the story. Yeah. Like, each part of the movie is a chapter. Like, you're almost watching smaller stories in the movie, but they all tie together. And then Christopher Robin's in it, too, but he's also sort of outside of it as well. And there's, like, a narrator that just kind of tells us, like, no, we're on page this. And it's actually really endearing throughout the entire movie how the narrator just kind of jumps in at certain points and then jumps out and lets the movie evolve. And at some points he talks to the characters and they look right at the camera and they're like asking him for clarification on questions like, wait, what did you say? And he's just like, oh, yeah, see, this is how things are. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. And I really love the way that it's framed where it's like, it's not just it goes into the story and we're just in the story world, but we're like, there's the halfway book world where you see the pages flip and then you see them interact with like, the lettering and the illustrations. It's really, really cute how they do that. Well, our first story is centered around Winnie the Pooh. So you get to meet him. You find out he is a bear of very little brains. <laughs> and they say that many times throughout it. And it's like, and Pooh, a very little brain. <laughs> he's also short, fat, and proud of that. We meet him and he's trying to, he's standing in front of the mirror and he's trying to think because he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And he does this a lot where he well, just stops to think. The reason he's standing in front of there is because he's like, his poo clue clock goes off. <laughs> and he's right. like, what should I be doing? <laughs> so his poo clock, which is a cuckoo clock, except instead of a cuckoo bird coming out of it, a honey pot pops out of it. And then a little teeny tiny Winnie the Pooh pops out of that and goes like, poo poo. So it's his poo-coo clock. (laughs) So he can't remember why. And he's like, it had to go off for some reason. I don't know what it is. But he's standing in front of the mirror. And he starts talking to his reflection, which happens a lot through it. He hasn't quite grasped the whole idea of reflections. He keeps thinking that a reflection is just another person every single time. And it's not just like a a one throwaway thing. This is like embedded in his DNA. So through the whole thing, whenever he sees a reflection, he's like, oh, there's another. So he has himself a little think session, and then he realizes, oh, I've got to do my exercises. So he starts doing his exercises, and he sings a little song while he does it. And it's totally cute. Well, the entire reason that he's exercising is because when he exercises, he's then able to eat more. Yeah, I totally related to with him on that, where it's like whenever I do a workout, Once I get to about the middle of it, I'm just thinking of what I'm going to eat next. But he does it strictly for that appetite spark. But then he pops a seam. And this is where I was trying to figure out, like, I don't, I'd never quite understood, like, where Winnie the Pooh existed in, like, what plane of reality where it's like, is he a stuffed animal? Or is the stuffed animal a representation of an actual bear? He actually is a stuffed animal. And I realized while watching it this time that the way he moves is, like, very stiff like a stuffed animal would move. Like, he doesn't move like a bear at all. He doesn't really act like a bear. He is a stuffed animal of a bear, and that just kind of is who he is. During this first story, we get an idea of who Winnie the Pooh is. He ends up chasing a honeybee because he runs out of honey, and he's like, what are bees good for? Honey. And what is honey good for? Me eating it. <laughs> like, Did you notice he has a framed picture of a bee, like a portrait? Yes, above <laughs> his bed. He has a framed picture of himself, of a bee, and of a jar of honey. So that's like, that's his whole world right there. This first story is also where we get the little black rain cloud, where he covers himself in mud. He thinks he can, like camouflage himself and get into the bee's hive by pretending to be a rain cloud because he's like rain clouds never eat honey i love how like he has his own kind of set set logic in his mind so when he talks to christopher robin and he's like hey what can i help you with and he's like oh well i uh i'm looking for a balloon because i want to fly up to uh to the top of a tree so i can get the the honey from the bees and christopher Robin's just like that's no that's not how it happens you can't just like you can't get a use a balloon to to get honey and he just like stone face looks at him and says i do and there's this long wry pause where it's just like no 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 i know what's up I, i laughed out loud at that because they hold on this very serious face on him for so long <laughs> so christopher robin's like oh Okay, yeah, I'll help you out. (laughs) So he floats up, 
it doesn't work out so hot for him because all the mud comes off him. And then the bees realize what's going on and they attack him and pop his balloon. And Well, he also like eats like a fistful of honey that's still covered in bees. And then he ends up spitting out about a million bees. <laughs> One million bees. Like they're buzzing around inside his head, which now even we, I, we understand that he's not an actual anatomical bear he is a stuffed animal so there's still bees hiding in him throughout this whole sequence and every so often he just like spits out a couple more just like pew, pew, pew. on to the next adventure he's walking down the street he's still looking for more honey because that this was a failure and he finds rabbit's home and he just he's like oh i love rabbit he's so great he uses these really small monosyllabic words that are very easy to understand like will you have lunch with me <laughs> and help yourself and so he walks in and you start to realize that it's like oh he just kind of steamrolls his way in and rabbit being very proper just has no choice but to say yes please come in here eat whatever you want and then he proceeds to eat all of rabbit's honey 12 jars that's what the narrator tells us he eats 12 jars of honey and you see this progression of empty honey jars sitting on the table and then the camera pans over and he is not only just like eaten the last jar, but he's like smeared head to toe with honey. <laughs> like he just covered it all over his body and he's still wiping it off of his face and like sucking at it. And then he's just like, thank you. Bye. And Rabbit's like, I wish I hadn't invited him to lunch. And as Pooh is trying to leave out the front door, he gets stuck because he got too fat from eating 12 jars of honey. This is the classic vision of Winnie the Pooh. Anytime anybody gets stuck, like, right at the waist or right at the belly, it's just like, oh, you look like Winnie the Pooh. Like, Jane Silent Bob do that. And it's just like, this is him, and he's stuck. So Owl tries to help him, and he, like, hires Gopher as a contractor? That's That was the part that was really confusing to me, because it's like, they're talking about cost and, like, how much money it's going to cost because Gopher runs, like, a demolition business, apparently. And uh, they're like really like they're going through like a very serious appraisal during this, which I can't imagine anybody in the Hundred Acre Wood actually like taking out their wallet and forking over cash. But there they are. And then Gopher keeps having this whole like thing where he falls into his gopher hole and somehow seems to fall about 20 feet and explode. Well, that happens like four times during the movie. But we get the impression that Pooh is stuck in Rabbit's front door for like a couple weeks until he finally loses enough weight. Yeah, they show time passing, the weather changes. Anytime somebody comes close to, to Pooh, he tries to ask them for some food, but they have to kind of starve him out. Well, Rabbit puts a don't feed the bear sign in the front door and then he also decorates his butt as a moose. I loved that scene so much because at first he's just like, oh, okay, well, uh, I can't look at it. So he's just like, I'll just set my chair away from it. And then he sees the reflection in the mirror. He's like, oh, I still have to look at that. And so he tries to remove the mirror, but then he pulls the frame off and he's like, oh, I'll frame it. It's a piece of art. And he puts uh, a little tablecloth on it and a plant and that still doesn't look good. And he's like, it needs to look more organic. And then he makes it look like a moose. <laughs> And he paints a moose face on it where, like, Winnie the Pooh is, like, laughing. Like, oh, something's tickling my bum. And then he makes a squiggly mouth because he's moving around. And he, like, sets up even a whole mantle, uh, like, on his, like, feet that are hanging there. It's actually, like, really, really intricate. Hey, Brenna. Hey, Joe. Would you like a fun fact? <gasps> it's our first one. First one. What do I do? I don't think I'm ready. I'm not dressed properly. Here, I'll give you a minute. I'll look away. Okay, now I'm wearing a ball gown. And I was peeking the whole time. I but I'm wearing my I'm wedding dress. Ooh. No, it's just a ball gown. <laughs> that is bright plurple. Plurple? Plink. Plink and plurple. It's blurg. You're really putting forth a lot of effort for me to sing a song. Fun, Fun facts, facts with Joe. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so we already established in uh, one of the past episodes that, that by the time that this movie came out, Walt Disney had passed. But 
he had worked on bits of this movie as like little shorts along the way. And that's what this movie actually is. It's sort of like bringing together a lot of these shorts that had already been released into like one sort of movie altogether. So this is actually is like the, f- the very last movie from Disney that Walt Disney himself actually had like creative input on. So the whole scene where Rabbit, Rabbit is, is decorating the backside of Winnie the Pooh, that was one of Walt Disney's favorite scenes. He Aww. loved it so much. He thought it was hilarious. And he's just like, this is my favorite. I love it so much. So we've got that in common with Walt. After Pooh gets out of Rabbit's front door, we skyrocket him into the next scene. So he literally shoots across multiple pages and he actually ends up getting stuck in a tree where he's stuck into a beehive. So he's eating all of the honey that his heart could desire. Which was what, in the last sequence, what he was trying to get to was just like, oh yeah, that sweet, sweet hive, all that honey. And then it even tries to like change the scene and he's like, no, 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 wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> like, don't turn the page just yet. And the narrator has to like, eat some more. <laughs> but the narrator was like, no, 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 you're in the next chapter. We have to keep going. He's like, oh, bother. <laughs> so in the next chapter. The blustery day. We start to meet more characters. So Pooh is going around wishing everybody a happy Wednesday. Wind day because it's a very windy day. He just said it was a windy day and Gopher, before he fell again into one of his Gopher holes, says calls it a winds day. And he says, that's what I want to do. Today, this is what, what my, my goal is. I'm going to walk around and tell everybody to have a happy winds day. And so then Pooh is doing that and that is when we see Piglet and Piglet's flying in the air like a kite in that like sort of picturesque view that we have a piglet of flying through the sky like holding onto a string because that was his his scarf that came unraveled in the wind while he was getting blown away and so now he is a kite and rue tells kanga look it's a kite and they're just like following along with it and it's like i i think that's actually our friend piglet so they both end up in owl's house which is up up in a tree because it's owl that tree is rocking and the yeah, the whole scene it goes on for about five or six minutes and the whole time i was actually getting a little seasick like it was actually making me a little motion sick and then it seems at one point that it keeps going too far to one side and then the entire tree falls over and owl's house breaks i loved when it was rocking back and forth how owl was sitting in a rocking chair and he was almost rocking like counter to the swaying as if he didn't notice because of the way he was rocking so even though his whole house is like leaning left and right, he's always just kind of upright for a little bit. <laughs> and he's just like, let me tell you all about my family history. He just loves talking about family history. But then his house falls over and everyone's really worried. And they're just like, well, next thing we got to do is got to find you a new house. Um, That's pretty much the end of that scene. Because then we see Pooh Bear in bed and he's really scared because the wind is making a bunch of sounds that he's not used to. And so he grabs his pop gun. It's not just the wind. There actually is a beast outside. Like you hear some growling and some some cat sounds. And we find out it's none other than Tigger. Tigger. This is actually his first meeting with Tigger. Yep. Like it's not a thing where he like with all the other characters where they're like, oh, yeah, my good friend. I've known you for so long. They introduce themselves to each other. And Tigger explains who he is. And he's just like. By the way, I'm really hungry. And he's kind of eyeing a honey jar. And Pooh's just like, I really hope he doesn't like honey. So he starts eating it. And he's just like, yeah, you're right. I don't like honey. <laughs> he's like, ah, this is for heffalumps and woozles. To which I never caught this before. Winnie the Pooh says, do you mean elephants and weasels? And Tigger says, no, heffalumps and woozles. No, he does say that. He says, that's exactly what I said, heffalumps and woozles. Like, he's, he repeats it back to him, like, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I said. But he's just kind of zany like But that. he says, like, but, okay, so Winnie the Pooh calls them elephants and weasels. Yeah. Which is what I thought heffalumps and woozles have looked like the whole time. I always, I always thought that heffalumps were some kind of version of elephants but i never knew what woozles were until this watching it this time when he said weasels i'm like oh that now that makes sense having been on like 
the Disneyland ride, when you go into like the heffalumps and woozles scene, I just never really put together that the woozles were supposed to be weasels. But I knew the heffalumps were elephants. But he rewards them and he says, be careful because this is something that they eat and they're going to steal it from you. Bye. And then he leaves. So Winnie the Pooh is like on his guard. He's like, now I have to guard my food because the heffalumps and woozles are going to show up. And he stays up so late that he ends up just kind of passing out in the in the corner. Heffalumps and woozles. So now we get the pink elephants on parade again. Pink elephants, pink heffalumps, and pink woozles. Oh, it is a fever dream. One thing that I really appreciated when with this is that they actually kind of gave them sort of a setting. Like, there's a little bit of a background, even though it's very sparse. Like, you can kind of see, like, where the ground is and where, like, you know, where it goes off in the distance, even though it is, like, a dream sequence. But it's not, it's not as disorienting as Pink Elephants or, like, the entirety of the last half of Three Caballeros when it gets fully psychedelic. So it is a little grounded. And they, it is, like, these little moments that, that I think really kind of play into the subconscious of it, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, there's some of them that are, like, shooting corks, like, these elephants that are shooting corks out of their snouts, which kind of mimic his little pop gun. And there's just, like, little, and there's, like, all these things having to do with honey, because he had his whole honey adventure. Well, all of the heffalumps and woozles are trying to eat his honey. So some of them become, like, laughing pots of honey. And then those ones, they, the heffalumps and woozles then eat. Like, they reach into them and eat them. I've got this weird sort of aside that, like, my brain t- kind of went on. And it was um, having to do with Salvador Dali. That's kind of what the sparse landscape kind of made me think of. So Salvador Dali had this whole thing where he would try to get himself into the mindset of feeling de- of being delirious. And one way he would do that is he would sit in a chair and hold a spoon in his hand over, like, a ceramic bowl. So anytime he actually drifted off to sleep, he would drop the spoon and it would wake him up. And he would keep doing that over and over and over again until he was so delirious. And then he would start painting his hallucinations, basically. And that's kind of what this made me think of, especially with Pooh, like, sitting there and, like, in the corner and then his body drifting out like he died. You even said that when he, it's like, oh, oh, he died. Well, I mean, yeah, I was making a joke. Pooh didn't die. <laughs> but his whole body drifted out of him, which you can see in the Disneyland attraction. They do a really good sort of... Uh, live action thing of that that was one of the things that i realized because like every time we go to disneyland we ride the winnie the pooh ride because it's just a good time and it's usually doesn't have a long line and it's fun it's way over there in the corner of adventure land so okay i have ridden that ride far more in the last like 10 years than i've seen this movie Mm -hmm. so in watching this movie I realized how well that ride emulated the movie. Like, it was so well done, the way that they pull his, I guess, dream state out of his body. Because he doesn't die, obvi. He's a stuffed animal. But the way that they pull his, like, dream state out of his body and start this, like, heffalumps and woozles section, so well done. And in I the always, ride, like I just didn't realize it. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing while I was watching it. Is that when I first went on the ride, it had been years and years since I've seen any of like the Winnie the Pooh cartoons or TV shows or anything like this. But I always thought that it was kind of uh, a little all over the place. Like it would, it's just like, oh, we're in one scene, now we're in another scene, now we're in another scene. It's like a little ADHD. But then now watching this movie. They they very, very accurately captured the spirit of just, like, moving from one story into the next one seamlessly. Like, it seems very... If you're not familiar with the stories themselves, it seems very abrupt. But this movie is very abrupt because it just goes from one adventure to the next so quickly. And sometimes they overlap with each other. There's not really, a, a like, a really huge logical leap from one to the other. It just kind of blends right in. Well, and that's exactly how this movie is, and that's how the ride is. And it actually is a perfect, a very, very perfect, uh, in I guess, interpretation of that. Well, speaking of blending in perfectly, as soon as Winnie the Pooh wakes up from this heffalumps and woozles dreams, 
he's standing knee deep in water and it leads right into the next story of the hundred acre woods is flooding. Which you also see in the ride. And they also got some of those visuals perfectly, especially when he's like, when Piglet is kind of stranded and then he's like trying to protect his, his honey pots, but then he ends up like head first in one of the pots and he's just spinning in a circle in the water. Yeah. So Winnie the Pooh and Piglet end up together Meanwhile, Kanga and Rue and Eeyore and Rabbit are all with Christopher Robin. So they go to get Pooh and Piglet and they bring them because I guess like the thing they said is like Christopher Robin's house can't flood. Like, I don't know, something weird like that. So they all like are like, we're going to Christopher Robin's house. I assumed it was because it was the highest ground. But as we see later, it's not. I mean, he pops out of a tree, so I'm not really sure. I'm sure it's just like. More of like the, this is the like imagination land. So like imagination land can flood, but real land doesn't sort of thing. Yeah, the kid that that is the real person, he's not in any danger in the book. Well, also, So like, let's just go to him and we'll be safe. I mean, yeah, also because like he has an accent, whereas like none of the other characters do. He's like a British accent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, that... I'm sure this is just an imagination woods. Like, this isn't a real woody area. Yeah. So, Owl, because he can fly, tries to rescue the two of them. He sees them together. They end up going over a waterfall, but, like, he's, like, trying to tell Piglet a whole st- another story about his family. And Piglet's like, I, can we save this for later? And he's like, hey, don't interrupt me. I'm telling you a story. And then they go over the waterfall, but then they end up... At the base of the waterfall, at Christopher Robin's home. So I guess Christopher Robin in the Hundred Acre Wood lives at the base of a waterfall, or at least at the base of a cliff. No, because it didn't make sense, like, geographically, because they had been on the other side of the waterfall. So again, this is where I think the imagination of a four-year-old comes into play, where it's like, it didn't quite make sense, but like... It's fine. They're all safe. It was like a thrilling moment, but then it just had no consequence because like, and then we all meet up and then Christopher Robin says, great job, Pooh. You saved Piglet. We're going to throw you a hero party. And but during the hero party, they decide that Owl needs to live in Piglet's house. And so then Piglet gets to be a hero, too. (laughs) So Eeyore shows up to the hero party and it's not even a whole like a long thing. It's very quickly. It's like they're just having a party where they give Pooh a cake and a jar of honey and Eeyore immediately shows up and he says hey remember when we like two stories ago when we were looking for a house for Owl because his house in the tree completely fell over I finally found him a house follow me and they follow him and it's Piglet's house and they're just he's just like see this is the perfect place for him to live and Piglet is just like yeah yeah it's a really good house I guess I'll uh, I guess I'll move out now like, nobody is sticking up for him and saying, like, no, he can't move into Piglet's house. Piglet lives there. They're just like, yep, Owl's going to live here now. And so Piglet's, like, crying because he's losing his home. And Pooh's just like, you can live with me. So Piglet basically gives up his home to Owl, even though Piglet said that he's been in that home for three generations. And he's essentially crying while giving up the home. But he gives it up to Owl nonetheless. Yeah, and the whole reasoning that Eeyore has is that there's a sign in the front that says trespassers will, and then the rest of the sign is broken off, which we can assume the sign used to say trespassers will be shot, but apparently now it just says trespassers will, and Piglet thinks his grandfather's name is trespassers will. Well, no. Short for trespassers William. Yes. (laughs) So that just happens, and then the narrator is like we're gonna move into the next chapter and Pooh is like am i in it and the narrator's like yeah a little bit and he's like all right cool <laughs> like and the many adventures of winnie the pooh will not feature something with winnie the pooh <laughs> but the reason i think he asks this is because we start at rabbit's house and this is where rabbit decides that people need to teach tigger a lesson yeah he's like pouncing everybody and it's Every time he pounces them, they use this sound effect that actually sounds very, very violent. Like, oh, that hurts. It's not just like this funny little like, it's like this, like, it hurts every time that he pounces someone. 
And when he pounces Rabbit, he's in his garden, and he just destroys the whole garden in that one pounce. And so Rabbit holds a meeting at his house to try to get people to protest him. So they decide that they're going to march Tigger into the forest and lose him overnight so that he freaks out and then will find him then they will find him in the morning and teach him a lesson. And Piglet's all about it. Like he's like raise your hand if you're into this and Piglet's like yes. And Pooh is falling asleep <laughs> the entire time. And then they wake him up and saying like oh, are we just, like, taking attendance? And then he raises his hand and, like, okay, then we're all in agreement and we're going to try to lose Tigger for a day. Piglet is way into safe touch. Like, <laughs> in the world of now, Piglet would be A-OK with six-foot social distancing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they say they're going to go on an adventure with Tigger and then just abandon him in the woods. But it's, like, a really misty day and they just march out into the forest together. But then, of course... Tigger doesn't end up getting lost because he has perfect, like, I don't know, GPS in his head. What does he say? But Rabbit gets utterly lost. I'd be very surprised if he actually said global, like, positioning. Yes, he said, <laughs> I have global positioning in my set in my head. No, he said, I have, like... I have rubber in my head. <laughs> no, no. What is it that he said? He said it was like, oh, I know my way. Or, nah, he said something smart. He just kind of says something like, Tiggers never get lost. Yeah. I have GPS. (laughs) Oh, I'd be so funny if you said I had global positioning satellites. Whatever. He's Tigger. (laughs) It's cartoon magic. Shut up. (laughs) Anyway, Tigger doesn't get lost, but Rabbit gets utterly lost, and he's scared by a caterpillar chewing and some uh, frogs. That was one of the things that really kind of stuck out in my brain where I was just like, oh my gosh, I totally remember this. The caterpillar loudly chewing a leaf. Like, that was something kind of like when Bambi was eating grass, where I was just like, oh my gosh, like, this is something that's like viscerally deja vu in my head. So Tigger goes back and finds Rabbit because he's like, well, we can't just leave Rabbit out there because, of course, like Pooh and Piglet make it out of the forest as well. Because they're guided by Pooh's hungry stomach. (laughs) Yeah, Pooh's like, I can sense my honey. And so then they like make it out of the forest. And Tigger's like, well, we can't just leave Rabbit. So he alone goes back in, gets Rabbit. And in that process, Rabbit gets him to agree to never bounce again. And so they make it out of the forest and... Tigger's like, all right, I'm gonna bounce off, and all, and Rabbit's like, nope, and Tigger's like, no, no, like, no, no, not yet, not yet. Well, well, they have the whole snow thing. It's the right, whole snow fine. day with Rue first. Yes, okay, all right, continue. <laughs> I was jumping ahead. You're bouncing ahead like Tigger. I was told not to bounce. So it flashes forward to it's snowy weather, and Kanga and Rue are just like hanging out at home. And Rue's excited because he's like, today's the day I get to hang out with Tigger. So Tigger shows up and they're just like, let's go bouncing together. And so they go bouncing. They try ice skating and knock over Rabbit. Rabbit Rabbit just hates Tigger so much. And then they bounce up into a tree. Rabbit hates most everybody. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, he's not a fan of Pooh who got his butt stuck in his front door. True. He doesn't interact and with many other people. I think he was more mad about him eating all of his food and, like, messing up his stuff, too. I think Rabbit's, like, a little bit compuls- obsessive-compulsive. He just, he just is not a fan of people. I think and he so can he tolerate really, people, but he hates really people that rile up his like space. doesn't like Tigger because, like, Tigger jumps into your personal space. That's the thing. He hates the space. He really doesn't like Tigger. So... I think he and Piglet are cool. Totally, totally. So uh, Rue points at a tree and he's just like, hey, Tigger, do you think you can bounce up that tree? And he's like, that's a thing Tiggers are most known for. And he starts bouncing up all the tree and Rue's all into it. They bounce up out of the top of the book, which is like a really cute moment because you see the live action book and it's like they bounce over the top of it. And then that's when Tigger realizes he's scared of heights and he's at the very top of the tallest tree and he's freaking out. So then he's just like, I don't know what to do. I guess we're stuck here. And Rue's just like swinging on his tail and just being like, this is the best I love today. This is great. He's a kid. He has like that fearless abandonment as kids. Down below, 
Pooh spends a very, very long time trying to track some animal, which is really just himself walking in a circle. And he spent a long time on that. I was actually kind of dozing at that point because it was like, wow, Pooh, come on, get it together, man. Well, they walk in a circle for like 10 <laughs> different times. Yeah. And then Piglet jumps in and, and they he's keep like, like saying, there's another track. There's more of them. They keep and trying it's to like... offer like a new perspective on it. It's just like, dude, come on. Meanwhile, so they hear, they hear the coming up from the top of the tree, and they're like, "Oh, that's a jaguar." And jaguar, no, they say a jaguar. Jaguar, and they're like, "You, you walk up to them, you hear them call, then you walk up, and the moment you look up, then they pounce on you." And Piglet's just like has his head down. He's like, "I'm not looking up ever again." So then up there, they're all trying to rescue Tigger and Rue. And that's when Tigger says, like, oh, if I make it down here, I I swear I'll never bounce again. And Rabbit latches onto that being like, really? 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 You'll never bounce again? Okay, let's rescue him. So they rescue him. And he gets down and he's like, all right, I'm going to bounce off. And Rabbit goes, uh-uh-uh. And he starts to walk off and it's the saddest thing ever. And, like, the only person who's holding him to that whole promise thing is Rabbit. And then as he, like, walks... Rabbit's such a jerk yeah he's such a rabbit turd and so he walks away he's just like slowly walking away and everybody starts to get immediately sad and rue is the first to be like i miss the bouncing tigger and everyone's just like yeah me too yeah me too yeah me too and kanga even looks right at rabbit and's like don't you miss the old tigger rabbit i mean i don't think rabbit actually did <laughs> yeah. but he just succumbed to peer pressure he did and then he's just like, okay, fine. And that moment he gets pounced and like, again, it's a very violent like <laughs> like sound that, that Rabbit makes when he gets pounced. And they're all back to it. And then like, Tinker tries to make him feel better to say like, hey, Rabbit, guess what? You're a rabbit. You've got big feet. They're meant for bouncing. Bounce with me. And the rabbit starts jumping with him. He's like, you're right. This does feel good. And then Tinker like looks at me. He's like, doesn't it feel great? And I was just like, oh, did he pre-Tony the Tiger, Tony the Tiger? I think he did. It was the same guy, I thought. It wasn't the same guy, no. No, it's totally the same guy. No. Everyone's the same guy. I'm going to get real nerdy on you and tell you that Paul Winchell is not Thurl Ravencroft. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) (laughs) By the way, here's a fun fact. Paul Winchell, the guy who voiced Tigger, was actually a ventriloquist. And he had a dummy named Knucklehead Smith. And he basically just used that dummy's voice as Tigger. So if you want to know what Knucklehead Smith sounds like, just think of Tigger. Yeah, I'm going to call you Knucklehead Smith the, le- the next time I'm Don't. mad at you. Don't. Look, look at here, Knucklehead Smith. Stop it. <laughs> look at here, Knucklehead Smith. So after they let Tigger start bouncing again, that's when the announcer's like, well, all stories must come to an end, and this is the end of our story, because Christopher Robin has to go to school. Yeah, and everyone's really sad about it, and they're just like, and he's got to learn things like two times two, and where Brazil is, and stupid crap like that. But he has a nice little moment with Pooh when they're kind of walking together. Did you notice that they reused some of the animation from the Jungle Book? Like Christopher Robin was like stepping on trees and throwing rocks and like waving a stick around. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. I noticed that this time. Like It was, yeah, it was definitely the same like Mowgli thing because he's kind of leading with his like head and shoulders the way Mowgli does when he like ambles around. But then he says like he and Pooh are talking to each other and he's just like, Hey, are you still going to... And Christopher Robin says to Pooh, like, are you going to remember me when I'm, like, 100 years old? And Pooh's like, yeah, of course. And then Christopher Robin says, like, well, I guess you'll be 99 at the time. So I guess, like, he got Pooh when he was one year old. I thought that was a really a cute little detail. It was incredibly cute. Yeah. No, it was incredibly cute. Like, the entire movie was incredibly cute. Like, as an adult watching it, I enjoyed it immensely. But what made me laugh is that also, like, when they talked about him going to school, it triggered this memory that I had where, like, there's a Winnie the Pooh movie that came out much later. Like, when I was a kid, it came out. Which we'll probably cover on this podcast. And, like, I don't know if it came out. It might have come out straight to DVD. Like, it might have been, like, Winnie the Pooh 
like Hundred Acre Woods or something. I think it was just called Winnie the Pooh, and I think it came out in, I think in the two thousands. Well, yeah. I remember my sisters were super into it, so that's why we watched it a whole bunch, and. I just remember, like, there was a part where they were like, Christopher Robin has to go to Skull. Why must he go to Skull? We must find out where Skull is. And they essentially go to an island that looks like Skull Rock from Peter Pan. Like, it has a Skull Rock on it. Mm -hmm. And they realize, like, Peter Pan's not there. He's gone to school, not Skull. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how that plays into the entire story. <laughs> That's all I remember. I think we'll see because I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that had a theatrical release. I think that might be one of them. But I'm just watched. saying like when they talk about how Christopher Robin has to go to school and all of them are like, That's so dumb. Why must you do that? They also continue to think it's dumb. Even later. <laughs> Stupid school. Dumb math teachers telling us, you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. Guess what? I do. Oh, my God. You got him. Good job. Got him. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I mean, no one's in school because everyone's infected. So Yeah, that's right. They're shutting. LAUSD is shutting down. Yeah. All the, and all Burbank's the schools not far next behind. Week. Yeah. Santa Monica already did and Beverly Hills. So this is going to be Bye. fun. We might be recording a few episodes this weekend. <laughs> When in doubt, drink more wine? I guess so. <laughs> I mean, my wife's a nurse, so I've already been washing my hands. So Thank you. I yes. Think I'm good. We've already been doing everything that should be because <laughs> I'm super neurotic about that to begin with. I mean, but I guess there's worse ways to spend an epidemic. A I pandemic so. now. Yeah. Yeah. We could play Pandemic. That's we a fun game. We should play Pandemic. You guys should check out Pandemic if you haven't played oh, that. Oh, man. It that's is a, a board great game. game. There are a lot of moving pieces, but mm, Matt Leacock, you made a really great game. That's not even like a weird joke. That's his name. Yeah. Do you have any more fun facts? Ooh, yeah. I got a couple. As I alluded to before, Walt Disney had been involved with making some of the Winnie the Pooh shorts. This is kind of a compendium of all of them. Not all of them, but some of them, like some of the best adventures put together. That's why, like, there's certain parts of it where it's like, Tigger's very absent from the very beginning, and so is Piglet. But now they're kind of staples of it. Well, um, Walt Disney actually actually acquired the rights to the Winnie the Pooh characters in 1961, which was about 15 years before this movie came out. And the reason why he did is that he he visited England. He saw that that. Everybody loved the Winnie the Pooh stories, and the American audiences were just not aware of who Winnie the Pooh was. And he just thought, you know what? They're gonna know now. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make this really big popular thing in American culture. And look at it now. Like, everyone knows who Winnie the Pooh is here in America, and that's because of Disney. So, um, I guess the other thing, the other fact that I have is that uh, this is the first animated movie to actually have a main antagonist since Dumbo. Wait, what? There's no main antagonist. There's no bad guy in this. I mean, I guess Rabbit's a little bit of a jerk sometimes, but he's not the antagonist. Oh. But Dumbo was the last one that actually didn't have an antagonist. With that one, it was more of just like, oh, the system. The system, man. It's the man. <laughs> that's, the, that's the villain. But uh, huh. yeah, there's no antagonist in this. I guess I just didn't really notice that. Yeah. Hmm. But that's kind of why it's... This is a very relaxing movie to watch because it's like there isn't a lot of high stakes conflict. You're not really feeling like, oh, no, if this happens, then this doesn't happen. And oh, my gosh, then everybody's doomed. It's just like it's like a kid playing. That's what it's kind of centered around. It's just like the this kid has an imagination and he's like his stuffed animals are going on adventures and they just love doing those things. I mean, it was also really a cute movie to watch. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed how the narrator interacted with the main characters to create almost a story within a story. I loved how he would refer to specific pages, too, where he'd say, Oh, no, Pooh got stuck on page 61. Let's flip to page 63 and see what's going on. It felt like those Goosebumps books where it was like, You chose this. Jump to page this. Yeah. <laughs> But it was cute, and and I even love uh, that. W- that was the other thing that I really had sort of like memory flashbacks on is 
the when they would react with the letters in the book. The whole thing where, where the, the way they solve Tigger stuck in the tree is the narrator says, all right, I'm going to help you out. And he turns the book so that Tigger can step on the words and walk his way down the tree. Like, that was so cute. And that was one of those things that like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Where it's like, from watching this, you can look at books a different way of just like, well, why doesn't he just climb down the letters? Or like in the blustery day, when you start to see like, just random typed letters just flying by in the wind. That was so cool. Just a random thought to throw in here. I I was surprised that the heffalumps and woozles were mentioned in this because I thought that was a more recent thing in one of the more recent, like, Winnie the Pooh stories. I didn't realize this was, like, way back from, like, 1977. I thought that it was, like, um, I don't know, maybe from a TV show or something like that. So when, when I saw it on the ride, I was just always like, oh, well, they're trying to incorporate some of the more modern stuff. But it's like, it was classic. It was a Sherman Brothers song. All the songs in this were Sherman Brothers songs. Also, just thinking about the songs, like they, there were so many classic ones just for like the Winnie the Pooh song and the Little Black Rain Cloud. And then there were other songs that I did not recognize, like when Piglet is trying to uh, escape the flood. <laughs> I mean... Every time it rains, I feel like I sing or think of the Little Black Rain Cloud song. I've done that a number of times. Yeah, you do sing that. But I think this movie is one of those reasons why, like, when it rains, I feel that, like, sense of coziness because it just reminds me of that. I mean, except our house also doesn't flood up to our knees. Oh, it doesn't. But it's good snuggle weather. Speaking of snuggle weather... (laughs) (laughs) It's raining, friends, so if you hear rain in the background. Yeah, I apologize in advance if there are any uh, awkward cuts in this where the background rain doesn't sound like it's lining up. I know. I Like, I thought of that earlier. I was like, we've honestly been, like, living in SoCal, we've never podcasted in the rain, I don't think. No. And here we are. Breaking ground, podcasting <laughs> in the rain. Sunny Southern California, where it never rains, and it's <laughs> always beautiful. Come visit all of our theme parks. Don't visit any theme parks, because they're all shut down. Everyone, stay inside. Stay home, kids. Blech. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I mean, I just really enjoyed the movie. It was a lot of fun. I mean, there's not as much to talk about because it was just a well-formatted movie from start to finish. Yeah. I didn't feel super invested in any kind of story that was going on, but that's because I feel like it's more of a mood piece where it's just like it reminds you of childhood innocence and just like playing with your dolls and like having a nice time and just enjoying yourself and... Not having to think about, like, (laughs) what kind of horrors are going on outside. (laughs) So, in a way, it was the perfect movie to watch this weekend. Lord, was it. (laughs) Anyway, um, I guess join us next time when we watch The Rescuers. Ooh, The Rescuers. I don't think I've ever seen The Original Rescuers. This should be fun because I don't recall anything about it. All I know is that it stars Bob Newhart and Zsa Zsa Gabor as two mice. Oh, yeah. I love Bob Newhart. This should be good. It should. I I think there's something to do with, like, Louisiana. I think there's a hoverboat or something. You know what? Just let's just go into it open-minded. All right. I'm excited. I've seen The Rescuers Down Under many, many times, especially at summer camp. Isn't Baloo in that one? No, he's not. Oh. No, The Rescuers Down Under. But that does have, I think, John Candy as an albatross. Mm-hmm. Some of these things sound familiar. I I don't know. It it should just be fun. I mean, we're getting into a point where, like, the movies are starting to become fun for adults, too. Yeah. So it's like, like, watching Winnie the Pooh, this this movie, was very entertaining. Like, I can see how it it's definitely geared towards kids. We're not into the phase where, like, right now you go and see a lot of these, like, Pixar movies and it's like okay there's a movie for kids and then that same movie there's a separate movie for adults like there's almost two layers to every movie we're not quite to that area but 
we are definitely in an area where we are no longer just watching kids movies like this is funny like the whole part where like Tigger they turn the book sideways like it was this whole kind of back and forth it was very entertaining it was fun to watch as an adult Mm -hmm. so we're getting there we're not quite there but we're definitely in an area where this is fun for everyone yeah I mean I think that we are about to venture into like one of the most controversial periods of Disney animated movies where they themselves weren't quite sure what they should be doing. So when we get into like these movies from the 80s, like The Great Mouse Detective and uh, The Black Cauldron and Fox and the Hound, like these ones were just like, we're not quite sure what we're trying to say, but we'll come out on the other side with like The Little Mermaid where it's like, these are the ones that you and I, as like, as adults, remember seeing in the theater. Remember like experiencing on a different level. We're almost there, which that was one of the things when we started the podcast. A big conversation we had was: Do we start at the very, very beginning, or do we start where we started? Like, do we start with Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and that kind of stuff, and then just kind of cycle back? But um, yeah, I I think that we're about to get into a very experimental period of time <laughs> where they're just trying to find their audience. But this one was a very nice, like, respite from that. There, Like I said, there were no high stakes. It was just really enjoyable. It was just a feeling. Like, you just, you feel all nice and warm. Like, you're just kind of, like, you're putting on a Snuggie and just, like, sitting by the fire. Oh, my gosh. You would put on a Snuggie and then you you would immediately be like, I'm too hot for this. And then you'd kick it off. Okay, thank you. I was just trying to create a universal metaphor. Okay, well, I'm trying not to create a field of lies. I mean... (laughs) It was just cute, and it was just warm. It was all comfort food. It was like eating tomato soup and having a grilled cheese sandwich. I would put on, like, seven Snuggies, and you would be like, I'm too hot. And then then you'd be like, I'm cold. Yes. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Feel my cold hands on your belly. Yeah. Yes. And then your warm <laughs> belly would warm my cold hands. Yes. That's why I married you. Yes. Thank you for stating facts. <laughs> well, join us next time for the rescuers. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun time, kids. Again, I haven't seen it, and I'm just excited to see what happens. And on that note. On that note. Cheers. cheers.